Welcome back. Just like I said, we'll be back. This is For the Glory KC, where we bring a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and a more casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, Associate Editor at KCSoccerJournal.com, who's going to take you a little more in-depth. And I'm joined, as always, by my wife, the lethal weapon, Sheena Smith, who gives us that more casual perspective. Hey, Sheena. Hey, Chad. What's up? Hey, not much. Before we start the show, just a reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at the link in the description of the pod for as little as 99 cents. No obligation, of course. We're having a good time doing it. But if you want to throw us a few bucks, we will take your money. Appreciate you all. On today's show, we're going to preview the Houston Sporting KC playoff game. We are going to talk about all these transactions that the KC Current have done. The offseason is in full swing. We're going to come up with, or at least one of us is going to come up with, our expansion draft protection list. We'll see if the other one comes through. And of course, the digital crawl, y'all. But Sheena, we always start the show with a little bit of silly, nonsense stories. What do you got for us? Well, I have an exciting story which is that we were at the Mizzou game on Saturday night, which is part of the reason we are slow to record this week. The other part is that I opted to watch that Chiefs game against the Eagles, and it didn't go over so well. But Mizzou won, so if you're a Mizzou fan like we are, yay us. What a thrilling ending to the game. And it was my first time ever attending a Mizzou game in Columbia. I had only seen... Mizzou play football in Arizona when they played against uh, Arizona State and I believe in a bowl or two. I think it was Iowa in the bowl game, maybe something like that. Yeah. So it was cool going to Columbia and walking the campus. I really wanted to go to college in uh, at Mizzou, but then I got settled in Springfield and never made it to Mizzou. So now I just hope I can vicariously live through my daughter someday and I hope that she goes to Mizzou. But Absolutely gorgeous campus, really charming downtown area. I loved it all. I love a good college town. Yeah, you've lost half our audience. Sorry, KU fans. It's true. Sorry. You know, I also love Lawrence. Like, I think Lawrence is actually probably a cuter downtown than Columbia. Oh, now you're pandering. All right. No, I'm just kidding. I I can't win. I do. (laughs) No. I, I always uh, said, oh, I wouldn't want my kid to go to KU. But now now that it's like getting closer to that age, I'd be fine. KU, MU, wherever this kid wants to go if she goes to college. Ho- hopefully she'll go to college. We'll see. I think she will. And I'd be fine with KU as well. It would be closer. She always says she wants to stay at home and go to college. So I've been uh, pushing her towards UMKC because I like that campus as well. Or Park University is it? A beautiful campus. Let's just keep them right, right, right on top of us, basically. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. I don't know. I love a pretty campus, so I was in my element, and it was such a fun game, a great experience, and I think it's a thing we decided we were going to do every year if we yeah, can make I'm it down. work for sure. I think it's it often overlaps with the soccer season. So if we had one positive of there being three weeks between games i guess we could say that it was we got to go to this mizzou game it was a good time and man they made it way more nervy than they needed to but they got the job done so that's nice. oh my gosh yeah that was a nerve-wracking game but it came out with the, the results we wanted so that is a positive unlike the chiefs game 
Yeah, let's not dredge up that for our poor listeners here. Let's get right to the action here. Let's talk about Sporting Kansas City and the Houston Dynamo. So we mentioned that it's been a bit of a break. I think it's probably worth noting the longest break was held by Sporting KC, 21 days between their games. They share that distinction with LAFC and FC Cincinnati. The shortest break, on the other hand, went to the Columbus Crew with just 13 days. And second shortest, the Houston Dynamo, 15 days. So we'll see if that's an advantage come this weekend when Sporting KC hit the road to face the Dynamo. I'm, a, I'm personally like a little bit nervous that it's going to be an advantage for Houston. How, how are you feeling about it, Sheena? Are you are you thinking it's going to be a, an advantageous situation? Obviously, them being at home is probably a big enough advantage. I think it is an advantage that they're going to be at home. I did look today. Tickets are still on sale, so it hasn't sold out. Shocking. Yeah, so I, I also don't know how many fans are going to be at the game for sporting, like sporting fans. We had a poll on our last podcast, and I think everyone who voted in that said they were not going. So I I don't know. I mean, it's definitely an advantage. Apparently, I, did, I learned this today that the Houston Dynamo did a bunch of upgrades to their stadium and from last season to this season. So uh, they made it sound like the uh, one of the things I saw is that they have quicker wait times for their food so they can get people back in the seats, probably because they need every seat filled um, as quickly as possible. So I thought that was a fun little thing. I was like trying to find some stuff on their website. And that was one of the things I saw, which kind of cracked me up. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it could go either way. But I feel like typically when sporting has too long of a break, historically, I don't feel like it's always been they haven't come back and played their best. And the other thing I was going to say is in what little research I did do, which I actually did research for this game. So this is a so surprise once, to oh my you. Gosh, what's happening? I yeah. know. Well, I wanted to come prepared a little bit since I made you delay another day. But one thing that I hadn't realized is that over the season, the two teams played each other three times, um, twice in the regular season and then once in the Open Cup. And yep. I don't know if you remember this, but they tied one of the games and then they each won one of the games. So it's been really close all the times they played each other, it sounds like, this season. Um, and in the games where Sporting won a game and Houston won a game, they won only by, I think, one score, like one one to two or whatever so yeah i i can be a little more precise they won sporting yeah. won two to one on september 24th in the regular season houston and sporting drew in the regular season two to two and then that u.s open cup game which is way way back it was a one nothing houston win i think there's a little bit of asterisks on a few of these games the one nothing houston win both teams played heavily rotated lineups in that Open Cup game. It was in Houston. The 2-2 game is probably the most accurate representation, probably the most full-strength lineup that each team could have put out. The 2-1 win for Sporting KC kind of has an asterisk in both directions. Houston was on short rest because they had just won the Open Cup midweek. And then Sporting only had 10 men because Johnny Russell picked up a red card. Remember, they were up one nothing, got the red. They ended up scoring again while down a man, but uh, won 2-1. to So a lot of... I don't know how much weight you can put on those other games, but it's definitely a factor. The 2-2 draw, I think, again, most representative of things. And if it's a draw, well, we'll play 30 more minutes, unlike in these prior playoff games. And then we would go to penalty kicks if it remained tied. So that would be 
I mean, you have to think that's an advantage for Sporting KC if it goes to penalties and uh, Tim Melia's in the net. I would agree. If it does go get to that point, we definitely have the advantage. Based off of, I read several articles today, and in all of them, Sporting Kansas City is the underdog. Like, so... I think it's another game, kind of like St. Louis, where we were the underdog. So maybe we play better as an underdog. Like there's less pressure on us because the all the pressure really is on Houston. That's who everybody is saying is going to win, kind of like St. Louis. So that could be an advantage for us. Yeah, I agree. And I think back when Sporting were able to defeat San Jose in the wild card game in the playoffs, that's what the guys in the locker room were saying is nobody expects anything out of Sporting KC. They're the, the lowest seed team in the playoffs. They're going to have to go on the road, win these games. And they got off to a good start against St. Louis. But yeah, we'll see how it plays out against Houston. I got a little bit more uh, statistical information here for y'all. A little overview for Houston this season. They went 14, 11, and 9. They finished in fourth place. Uh, at home, though, I had 11 of those 14 wins. So 11, two losses, and four draws at home. So only lost twice at home all season. Uh, if we extend that into the playoffs, they are 1-0-2. They won their home game. They drew their second home game, but then won in penalties. And then they uh, drew on the road at RSL and lost in penalties. So I, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to put too much weight on things that are the past because this is different. This is the playoffs and it doesn't necessarily always play out the same way. I will say that Houston is a very good team at home, though. They have 36 goals scored at home out of 51 for the whole season. They only allowed 11 goals at home all regular season out of the 38 they allowed total. So they are formidable opponent at home. To add to this, Sporting Kansas City historically pretty terrible on the road in the playoffs. They are three wins, 17 losses, and seven draws on the road. And of those three wins, one of them just happened against St. Louis a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it is now. So that it's a factor, but it's it's a little concerning for me. Does that shed any light on the game at all for you? Does it make you more nervous, Sheena? Uh, maybe just a little bit. I think I'm more nervous because we aren't going to have Logan and Dembe on the field. And he has been the player that has really he he's been our saving grace. He's been everything for us in those St. Louis games. And so not having him due to him uh, having an a ACL injury. No, was that right? His injury? I, think, I believe so. ACL. Yeah. yeah. ACL. Okay. Yeah. So he's not going to be in the game. So I'm more nervous about that because he really is part of the reason we got as far as we did. So not having him adds a different dynamic. If he was in the game and he had never got injured, I probably wouldn't be as worried or as cautious. But I also think this is a different sporting team than, you know, the team from the beginning of the season or maybe even other playoffs. So it can go either way. But definitely not having Logan and Dembe, I think, is going to possibly be a challenge because I don't know that Tim Leibold is going to be what Logan and Dembe was. I don't like, I think he'll be a good player, but I don't know that he's going to be all over the field and stuff and making plays and running crazy and tearing his ACL and then still playing another 40 minutes. I mean, hopefully he doesn't get injured, but yeah, he'd let's be hope out. He doesn't tear his ACL. Yeah. That would be bad. <laughs> that would be another I, problem. I hope problem. he can. I hope he can be that that bright light for us, but he's no Logan and Dembe. And we all know if you listen, I love Logan and Dembe. So. Yeah, I, I won't rehash everything from last week. I think, broadly speaking, 
it's a concern that he hasn't played a full 90 minutes in over three months that, that it'll be almost four months by the time this game goes down. So uh, who knows what to expect from Tim Leibold? I think he adds just about as much going forward offensively. Well, that is until Ndembe scored in back-to-back games. I don't know that Leibold's ever scored a goal, but he had a season when he was in Germany where he had like 17 or 19 assists or something like that in one season. So he's a very capable offensive player, but he's not going to have that chemistry built up with Shallowy and Polito and Tommy and Kenda, whoever's on the left side of that midfield as Ndembe was starting to build. So, yeah, I I agree. It's a concern. Sheena, I want to give you all a little history lesson here about the Dynamo and Sporting KC. If you were a longtime Sporting KC fan, you know that this is actually an old rivalry that goes back quite a ways. These teams have met in the playoffs quite a few times over the years. I don't want to bum you all out, but Houston has mostly gotten the upper hand. Uh, Houston eliminated Sporting Kansas City in 2017. That's the last time they met. That was in Houston. Uh, They eliminated them also in 2011 and 2012. Uh, 2011 was actually in KC. Sporting were fantastic that year, and that was a very disappointing way to go out. 2012, it was a little different. Both teams won their home games. It was a two-game series, but Sporting advanced, I'm sorry, Houston advanced on aggregate. That said, Sporting have beaten Houston in the playoffs. They beat them in 2013 whenever they met in the uh, on the way to Sporting winning their MLS Cup. And then they also beat them in 2007. So 2013 is a little misleading. They had a 0-0 draw at Houston and a 2-1 win in Kansas City. So they advanced 2-1 on aggregate. So a little bit of history there, but we got to go pretty far back when your most recent playoff meeting is six years ago. These teams are nowhere near the same teams. If you look back at these rosters, the only guys that are really still around are, are Zussi and Espinoza and then kind of no one else, especially from the 2013 team. But even from 2017, most of that roster is turned over too. Just a head nod from Sheena. Okay, we'll keep going then. And so I did a little... I want to kind of give you all some information about the Dynamo if you're not the big followers of Houston. I will admit, I I think we talked about this earlier this season, where it's really hard to watch the other team's games. You have to go make an effort to do it because they're playing at the same time. So some kind of people to look out for heading into the match. Sheena, are you familiar with the term Ache Ache? Have you heard this nickname? I have not. It sounds like a fun catchphrase to a song, though, like Ache Ache well, or a chant. Well, you're taking do you know what Ache Ache is? I have not learned that in Duolingo yet. So well, it's just, educate it's just me. The letter, I believe it's just the letter H <laughs> twice. Ache Ache. Oh, oh you <laughs> so, know what? I haven't learned any of the alphabet in Duolingo. I don't know at what point, but you're right. I do remember it from high school Spanish now that well, you say you it. Uh, so that is Hector Herrera. He is a Mexican national team player, and he is unquestionably the star. H.H. Hector Herrera. You get it? Ache, Ache. All right. So he played 33 games this season for the team in all competitions. In the regular season, he started 29 of 30 appearances. He played for 2,534 minutes, added four goals, and wait for it, 17 assists. Ooh, the game moves through Ache Ache, Mr. Hector Herrera. In the playoffs so far, too, he's played all 90 minutes in all three games against Real Salt Lake and added a goal and an assist. So kind of key number one for me is getting somebody on Hector Herrera and shutting him down. If he has a game where he creates, and he's done it to sporting already, I can distinctly remember a a passing sequence that led to a goal in that 2-2 game where it's just like they just completely lost their runner and Hector Herrera played a great assist through and they finished it off. Outside of Herrera, a 
they don't have a lot of other stars. The next biggest player I would say on their team is Amin Bossi. He has 10 goals and four assists. So that's not nothing. You know, obviously 10 goals would be second best on Sporting Kansas City if anybody had 10 goals. That is their leading scorer. And then he's followed by Corey Baird, who is kind of a bit of an MLS journeyman. He's He used to play for Real Salt Lake. He played for LAFC for a little bit. He's now down with Houston. He had eight goals and six assists. And then somebody to kind of watch out for that's been slumping a little bit but could be a danger is Coco Karaskia. Uh, he is really young. He emerged this season. He's probably going to get sold either in the offseason or next summer. Uh, just three goals, but eight assists, but a little off his game lately. And then the last person I want to highlight, because Sheena doesn't know who any of these people are anyway, so I'm not pausing to let her jump in and talk about them, is Griffin Dorsey. Griffin Dorsey is their right back. He's also young. He's an attacking player. And he's going to be heading towards the left side of the Sporting Kansas City defense, where Logan and Dembe, as you mentioned, would have been. But now it's going to be probably, we don't really know, Tim Leibold, most likely. We, we were told he probably could have played the last couple of games, according to Peter Vermees. So I know I just gave you a bunch of stats, a bunch of names. Sheena, thoughts, concerns, questions? Obviously, I have some concerns. Going back to Tim Leibold, it's been so long since I've seen him play. Does he have the same speed as Logan and Dembe? Because it sounds like they that Houston can go pretty quickly if needed. And would Tim Leibold be able to keep up with, like the way Logan and Dembe could have? I don't know. I don't know if you remember his speed factor from because it's you, been months you, yeah it's been a while since we've seen him i do think he's a pretty quick player i'd be more concerned about his like stamina at this point like he might not make yeah. the run back defensively because he doesn't have the gas to get there and i i again i don't even think he's going to be in a situation where he like can go 90 minutes we talked about this last week like he's probably yeah. not got 90 minutes in him but you know you asked about his speed and i wasn't prepared for that question because you know I'm, i didn't know where your brain was headed but i pulled up the ea sports fc player cards for logan and dembe and tim Leibold real quick because it's not a very okay. accurate way to figure things out but uh in dembe who's rated a 65 overall has an acceleration of 82 and a sprint speed of 74 versus uh, Tim Leibold has a 71 rating overall, which the game tends to rate players from foreign leagues a little higher. You know, he just came over from Germany this season. He's got an 83 in acceleration, so it's actually rated higher, not that by one point, not that that's accurate. And then a little lower in his sprint speed, just a 69, slightly below Logan. So FIFA thinks they're very similar in that regard. And I do think a lot of people are kind of underselling Tim Leibold. I think he's just never been healthy fully this season, but he had moments where he looked really good. So I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out. But well, if Roger or Zussi comes in, they're definitely not going to be the speed of, of any of these guys. No, I mean, we kind of have to just hope that, well, I feel like Houston should be taking advantage of the fact we lost Logan and Dumbe, uh, because Jake Davis is really fast on the other side, uh, right back. So it feels like they should be going to the left side, but they don't know who they're getting, I guess, where at least you know what you're getting with Jake Davis if you're studying like the footage or whatever. Yeah, and I'm looking at these cards a little closer. They're always a little wonky. When players kind of have a breakout season, it takes a while for, for FIFA or EA Sports, I should say, because they don't call it FIFA anymore, to catch up with that and figure that sort of thing out. But it has Logan rated as a worse defender, which I don't believe. Uh, it has him as being less physical than Tim Leibold, which I don't believe. So... 
we'll put a, a heavy grain of salt in these speed ratings, according to this. All right, Sheena, I've got just a couple more things from this game that I wanted to talk about, mainly going back to that road record. Sporting only three road wins, as I mentioned, in the entire history of playing in the playoffs. One was against St. Louis a few weeks ago. Do you know how long, how much further back we have to go to find a second road win from Sporting KC? Any wild 20, guesses you'd like to make? 2013. That would have been a good guess. That's how they were a really good team that year, so they had a lot of home games. We're looking at 2011. They okay. did that against the Colorado Rapids. And then the only other time? The first year of the league, 1996. And this is kind of gray. They're calling this a win because they won a shootout. But I don't know if that really counts. It's uh, 1996 against, well, I said FC Dallas in my write-up, but that's not correct. They were the Dallas Burn back then in 1996. That's why they have flames on their kits this year. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, a lot of uh, huh. a lot of very like Americanized name back then. Obviously, we were the whiz that year, so things have changed a it's little a bit really since then. Bad, like I know it stands for Wizards, but the well, Wiz, the I don't they know. Were, they were just the Wiz, and then they had to change their name. I think there was like a lawsuit or something. I I don't know my history very well. Admittedly, in 1996, I was like a. a I guess I was a teen, probably. Oh, man, that makes me feel old that I was already a teenager. But I don't You're remember You're a tween. Well. You're a tween. Mm. Mm. 13 is a teen. So. Okay. Right. Uh, Chad, I was going to just say, if anyone is looking to go to the game, I just saw online that uh, to go to a Houston Dynamo game, they're having no fee weekend, so you don't have to pay any of the fees. So if you're listening in the Houston area and you're a sporting Kansas City fan and you want to go to the game, at least you can save some money because stupid fees on tickets to anything are outrageous. So that's probably at least $20 worth of savings. Yeah, maybe more. That's a good point. So I, I we were just looking at tickets to randomly to MUKU hockey game that's going to be in Cable Dahmer Arena and was like, oh, man, we can sit in the first row. And then the fees jacked the price up so much. I'm like, do I care? I don't care about hockey, really. I thought it would be, be fun to go see. But the dang fees, I wish they were just required to show you what the ticket price is with the fee, right? That would just make it better. I agree with that. All right. So prediction time, I feel like, Sheena. We have got to decide who's going to win this game. Or do you have something else you want to add before we little facts, tidbits? Yeah, there was one other thing I wanted to talk about. And there was an article I read on MLSsoccer.com that was kind of previewing the game. And they said for Sporting Kansas City, that the X Factor player of the game is your boy, uh, Nemanja Radoya, like had a like, moment which, there. Which one of my boys are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah, so they're saying Nemanja Radoya um, is the X factor for Sporting Kansas City, and they are claiming his positioning and timing when Sporting has the ball and the final third could make the difference between Sporting winning and losing the game. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I've told you before, I think he may be one of the most important players on the entire team, not so much because of him, but just because of the position that he plays and how important that single pivot defensive midfielder is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I buy that. That's plausible that that could be the case. And back to my Hector Herrera point earlier, he would be the person tasked with dealing with Hector Herrera. So I don't know. I think there's something to that. Uh, a little extra for you all here. He did not play in that July 9th game against the Dynamo and it was a 2-2 draw. So maybe he to shut down some of those goals. I don't know. He did play in the win. I'm almost positive. Yes, he did play. I just double checked. He started and played 62 minutes. 
Okay. And then the Houston X Factor, just because I still have it up, probably going to screw his name up, but they are saying Houston's X Factor is Coco Carasquilla. How bad did I say I, that? I literally said it earlier in the podcast. I know. Carasquilla. Carasquilla. Okay. Well, they're saying he's the X Factor. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. They also talk about Hector Herrera, so but that's their their players. So, anyways, given what I know, my prediction is I don't want it to come down to penalties, but if it does, I'll feel better about sporting winning. So I guess I'm hoping for a shootout as stressful as that would be and sporting winning. How are you feeling? I'm nervous. I hate making predictions. I think that Sporting KC is more than capable of winning this game. I think it's entirely plausible they could win. If I'm looking at the entire playoff field, I would say Houston is probably the weakest of the remaining teams. So if you're going to have one matchup, you're going into a stadium that's probably not going to be a sellout, not going to be as hostile of an environment. I was listening to Peter Vermees give an interview with Taylor Twelman on Taylor Twelman's podcast this week, and they very they didn't really talk about the game much at all. It was weird. They were talking about Jiffy Lube a lot randomly, but <laughs> the Peter was one of his jobs when he lived in New Jersey. Anyways, he uh, he was talking about the weather is going to be nice. It's going to be in like the mid to high 60s, which you know that's like perfect soccer weather, right? It's cool enough to where you're not going to be overheated. It takes away Houston's advantage. They win a lot of those games in their state because teams get worn down by the heat and humidity and that's that's gone like that's not really a thing right now so i think that could play in sporting's favor i want to say that they will win and they will pull it off but like you said i think they, they struggle so much on big long breaks and you lose your rhythm they were in such a rhythm they've been playing this playoff soccer for weeks they've been in do or die situations for longer than any other team because they just had to keep winning to make the playoffs but I could just see it all going terribly wrong and then like ending up in a shootout and then somehow Melia's the lore of Melia doesn't work out. I'm hoping they just blow them out and we don't have to deal with it, but I'm I'm not going to make a prediction. I hate making predictions. Is that a, I copped out. Yeah. What the heck? I gave a prediction because I thought you were giving one. Yep. Well, should have made me go first. I'm, I'm a weasel like that. You got to watch me. <laughs> All right. Any other sporting Casey Houston dynamo thoughts before we switch gears? No, I just really, at this point, I, I want it to go well. I want us to win. Who do you want? Let's just play the scenario Sporting's that sporting win. win. Okay. Who do you want to see them play in the next round mm -hmm. between the Sounders and LAFC? That's a good question. I think that LAFC is the more dynamic team, but they have to go on the road to Seattle. I think Seattle plays very pragmatic uh, soccer in the playoffs. They have an ability to beat you in the playoffs. But it's funny because we beat Seattle in Seattle this year versus we drew LAFC at LAFC. And See, but also Seattle killed us earlier in the season, like four to one in that Ben Sweat red card game. Ah, oh, poor Ben. He works his way into every podcast to get some dirt <laughs> thrown on him. But I would say Seattle. I think there is something about sporting are pretty good in Seattle. Teams struggle up there. And historically, I think we did until recent seasons, but we we can hang with them. And a lot of their their best elite players are getting old. They don't even start the games. They're a team that's kind of in. It's weird to say they're in transition when they finish second in the conference and they're in a position to host all the way up until MLS Cup because the East is going to host. All the Eastern teams have a better record than all the Western teams left. Kind of crazy. So. I, yeah, I think I'd rather play Seattle. What about you? 
I was thinking the same thing. Um, we've been to both stadiums and the atmosphere. And I mean, they both stadiums have good atmosphere, but it's a little more intense in LA. And I think that I would rather just have them play Seattle. Uh, kind of mm. for the same reasons that you've given is that they feel like an older bunch uh, and it, we've had success there minus the game earlier in the season where Ben Sweat was 86 out of the game. But yeah, I, I think I'd rather see them play Seattle. Yeah, I think LAFC is the more dangerous team. They've got Denny Bowanga, who is the golden boot winner, and he just has that ability to shred you apart at any moment. And he's a fast counterattacking player, which it plays to a weakness that I feel like sporting have is dealing with the counterattack. That said, Jordan Morris can hit you on the counter too. So uh, I don't know. It's a, not, Obviously, everybody left is pretty good because they're still alive. Is there any part of you that kind of wants them to lose so they have a more rest before the preseason? Has that crossed your mind at all? Because I mean, if, oh my gosh, Sheena, never. what are you talking about right now? No, I I, I want to win the trophies. I want to win MLS Cup. I want all the I do wins. Too. Like I just was it, wondering. It, of course it will. Of course it would handicap your next season because I saw like I saw one of the preseasons was set to start on January 10th. So we're already like only six weeks out from some teams starting preseason, which is crazy. And if they win MLS Cup, then they'd be in the new format, what was used to be called CONCACAF Champions League, but is now the CONCACAF Champions Cup, which is like a wider, more expanded format. And we could meet Seattle or Seattle. We could meet uh, St. Louis in that competition because they're already qualified for it as well. It seems so. When is like this uh, final game between the Eastern and Western division winners? Like it has to be coming up in, in the next couple this, weeks. The final game. <laughs> it's <laughs> called MLS Cup, Sheena. I MLS know, Cup. but uh, it, it's in December. Uh, it looks like it's December ninth, three p.m. So the winner may only get like maybe four to five weeks off before they have to go into preseason. But if you win a trophy, that's forever. That's a third star on the jersey. That's worth I, it. No, I totally agree. I'm just like talking out loud. Like that would be a really short amount of rest. So, and I wonder if that yeah. puts you at a disadvantage going into the next season. I mean, maybe not because LAFC won and here they are again, like right. they won last exactly. year. They're back. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it, it presents challenges, right? Because you're going to have more games to play. You're going to have a shorter turnaround time. I don't know. I'm sure the players would like some time off, but I, they don't want to get that time off by losing. They want to win. They, of course, they want to win. So of course. Uh, my, my last thing on this game, I was going to make it my first thing, but I flew right past it. We started getting into stats and you, you started, Sheena's one little bit of research. I had to go in there and go, well, let me go a little deeper here for you. Uh, is a Danny Rosero update. Sheena, I'm sure oh, yeah. you want to know what's going on with Mr. Rosero. Uh, he has a broken nose, as we mentioned before, and he had missed like the first week and a half plus of practice post-broken nose. So if there's one positive to there being a three-week break is I don't think this team would have had Danny Rosero but they will supposedly, theoretically, have him for this game. We won't get an official injury report until probably Thursday with the game being on Sunday. But he is back in practice. He's wearing a mask, and it's just kind of going to see how he responds to it. If they don't have Danny Rosero, put me down for an L, because I don't think they'll pull Same. it out without him out there. Yeah. To lose they two definitely starting need defenders, him. Yeah, it would be a, a huge blow. So I also... I was also going to say, like, I know in these playoff games so far, Polito has been great with assisting, 
but I really think he needs to score like in these last few games, however many we make it through. Like he's been great with helping with assists and opening up plays, but like he needs to score some goals. I don't care if he scores as long as what he does is elite and he keeps pulling players out of position. You pull those center backs out of space, then that leaves room for Russell and Shallowy to move into that space. I'm okay with that. Like if he doesn't show up on the score sheet, but they win, we'll all be happy. So well, if, if he can if, score, that'd be great too, but he doesn't have to. we lose and he doesn't score, to me, that's problematic. Yeah, I guess it depends. Uh, well, why did we lose? How many goals were scored? Did we lose three to four? You know, what, what happened in this game? Houston's not a super high scoring team. So I think if Sporting can put some goals on the board, they're going to be in pretty good shape. Let's hope that's what happens. Yes, you and me both. Let's hope. Let's hope. All right, Sheena, are we officially ready to switch teams and talk KC current? Sure, let's do it. All right, so we're going to switch gears. We'll move over to Kansas City, or, or well, a different Kansas City team. The ladies of the National Women's Soccer League. We have a lot of news for the current here. First off, let's start with what I'm calling some of the bad news, the worst news possibly for me. And that is the trade of Alex Loeta away to Bay FC. So they have traded her to the expansion team for $175,000 in allocation money, which is quite a bit because teams only get $600,000 per season. So you just added another third to your money, uh, almost. And they get expansion draft protection. So Bay FC cannot select any players from the KC current because of this trade. So what are your thoughts, Sheena? Alexis, Al, Alexis, Alex Loeta is, is gone. How are you dealing with this? How are you coping? I'm okay. I mean, I think that I definitely am still learning the ins and outs of the players on KC Current. So I didn't really have an attachment to her the way you did. I know. And the way a lot of KC Current fans did. I know a lot of people were disappointed. I was disappointed in the handling of it because it sounded like she had made it known she wanted to stay. And then maybe she didn't get a heads up too far in advance from them announcing it. But she seemed disappointed in her farewell post, like thanking them for everything, but also making it known that this isn't necessarily what she wanted. But I feel like they also probably did the best case scenario for her, taking her somewhere where she has roots. So I don't know. I, I just hope that it the way they're handling notifying players of things is handled better than what it's being perceived on the internet because I think last year Lynn Williams went through the same thing where maybe she was more blindsided so I don't know I, that part makes me uncomfortable and you definitely the, Casey Kern is doing so many positive things for women's soccer but if you're not being upfront or honest or hiding details about things that are going to happen to these players and you're not communicating like that's going to tarnish kind of what they're building I think just a little bit I can't disagree with any of that to give you all some context if you didn't see Alex's post she put that basically she had been told that she was going to be protected in the expansion draft actually this may have been from an, an interview she did with like the San Francisco Chronicle I can't remember I'm mixing between her post and, and an interview but she was told she was going to be protected by the team and then she was traded without being told she was going to be traded so the last message she had been left with was, hey, you're going to be on this team. We're going to we only get to protect nine players in the expansion draft and you're going to be one of them. And then, boom, she's traded. Now, 
to your point, not exactly like the Lynn Williams situation, because they did tell Lynn Williams that they, you know, there was the possibility that she could be traded. And then she was kind of blindsided. She was over in Australia preparing for the Women's World Cup. So you're halfway around the world. Timing is different. And she literally found out draft night that the trade went down, just like the rest of us found out. So a little bit kind of the same in in a way, but there was a little forewarning. I am... I'm kind of crushed by this because I don't think there's anybody else on the team that does what Loetta does in the midfield. She played defensive midfield, but she is a creator. She's kind of like Ilya Sanchez in this, the way he would deliver balls all over the field. And that's a big loss because there's nobody on the team that can really replicate what she did. And maybe they have to sign somebody or play a different style. We don't know. Vladko obviously has some control. But at the same time, as much as it kind of stunned me in the moment, I'm, I'm not that stunned because of what you said, Sheena. Going back to her, she played for Santa Clara University out in California, and it's apparently it's like a 10-minute drive from PayPal Park where Bay FC are going to play in San Jose. So she is not – she's going home to a certain extent. It's her second home, her home away from home here. And to the, the best story I can tell you about why I kind of felt like this might be inevitable that she'd end up in Bay FC is because of Leslie Osborne. She's a former U.S. Women's National Team player. She is one of the owners of Bay FC. And she, I don't know what you're laughing at. She's just like laughing uncontrollably <laughs> on me here. What's up? Sorry. I'll tell you after you're done talking. Okay. So it has nothing to do with this. Okay, great. Okay. Anyways. So uh, Leslie Osborne is one of the owners of the team and she used to babysit Leslie's kids. So there's this connection. I think she probably was destined to end up there eventually, but she told you know, Cami or Vlaco or somebody that she wanted to play out her contract and she was signed for years to come. So I'm, I'm disappointed that they moved on from her. And I hate the expansion drafts because it's kind of the impetus for why this happened because they felt the need to try to protect themselves by trading away players. And we'll, we'll talk more expansion draft in a, in a sec here. Yeah, it's really just a bummer overall, but hopefully she enjoys her new team. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's the first player they announced. I think there's something kind of prestigious about that. You're the first player in the team's history that'll go on for a while. Yeah. It's usually like a, a women's national team player usually gets that spot because they'll go make a, a marquee move like Alex Morgan going to the San Diego Wave or uh, Kristen Press went to Angel City. Yeah. Uh, also, why are you shaking your head at me? I don't know. You're laughing uncontrollably every time I talk. I don't know what's don't happening. Know. I'm sorry. This tweet just really got me. I can't stop laughing. Do you laughing. want to just share it? Just go ahead and share yeah. it so we all know why the okay. pod is weirdly interrupted at the 40th minute mark. Oh, okay. Hopefully I can say it's not going to be as funny. I feel like you're not going to be amused from by it. But it says every place I have ever bought from is emailing me about holiday sales. It's like, sorry, advanced auto parts. I will not be buying anyone a car battery for Christmas. Oh, that's what guy is. That's kind of funny. Yeah. That's kind of funny. It, right. Yeah, well, I feel like because uh, like <laughs> literally the whole time I'm narrating what's going on in the Loretta trade, giving you all background. She is like on mute, just dying, dying into her <laughs> microphone. So, all right. Sorry. Anyways, uh, one one okay. thing I want to go back to on Loretta, and you and you mentioned, I started to mention it, is the whole this is a trend, right? They say we're we're moving things forward for women's soccer and they in, inevitably they are right they built this training center they're building the first purpose built women's stadium in anywhere in the world like come on that's awesome but 
some of their behavior on the back end isn't great. If you remember back to last preseason, there was that whole Makia Minnis thing where she was a draft pick and they kind of cut her and supposedly they weren't paying for her meals or helping her with travel or anything. And we don't know if there's any truth to that or if it's just some sort of miscommunication, but there seems to be a lot of miscommunications. And the first season or right after the first season with the team, they had signed Rachel Corsi, one of their old center backs, to a contract extension, and then they just traded her. And like, why would you sign her to an extension and then sell her? And it's because the rumors were that she kind of spoke out against some of the things that were going on inside the organization. So the message they're telling and the the optics don't quite line up sometimes. Some things look amazing and, and epic for the current, and some things look kind of bad. And I, I don't know who it is. It's hard for me not to say it kind of seems like it's Cammy because Camille Ashton-Levin is the general manager. And this has all happened under her watch. There's been a bunch of different coaches, but these things keep happening under everybody. A lot of people wanted her fired for a long time. So we'll see what happens this year if these things keep happening. I, I don't know. I don't know how you don't make some sort of change. I'm not sure who it is. I don't want to blame Kimmy if it's not her fault, but she's when she addressed us following the firing of Matt Potter, it was like very awkward and not well explained. And that seems to be, it seems to be a communication problem. And maybe, maybe this is the root of it. I remember asking her a question in the press conference and she just deferred to Vladko and didn't answer. So I was like, okay, well, communicating, it's important. Maybe she's just an awkward person. I feel like if you're in a position like that and you know you're not a good communicator, like you watch some videos or you get lessons from someone. Yeah. I, don't I, mean, know. I mean, this is a, it's a people's thing, right? Like yeah. you are dealing with people's lives and you're signing contracts and they, they need to trust you and know that you're doing the right thing. And if this sort of stuff keeps happening. And again, we're just speculating. We don't know. We don't know what's going on. But if these sort of things keep happening, what player in the future is going to say, you know what? I saw how they handled that Lynn Williams thing, that Alex Loeta thing. I'm not going to sign with KC Current. Sure, they have their first purpose-built women's stadium, but I don't want to take the chance that I'm the next person that gets kind of tossed aside. I agree with that. Yeah. Sports are business. Trades are going to happen. And I think the you got to communicate with people. You got to you got to do the right thing and try to explain things. And maybe it's just hurt feelings from the player side. It could just be that. But it seems to keep coming up over and over. Yeah. All right. Let's talk some more positive Casey current news. Gabby Robinson, a second round draft pick from this last year. She was signed to a new three year contract through the 2026 season. Previously, she had a contract that they could have just picked up her option for next year. I think Gabby, we've talked about this before. She had a little bit of a rough start to the season because there's so many injuries and rookies were forced into action early. But by the end of the year, she looks like a really good player and she's young and promising. So I love that they've locked her down for the next few years. Sheena, any thoughts on Gabby? I do remember at the beginning of the year, it was pretty touch and go with her. So I'm glad to see that she stabilized and she got better. And probably some of that I would think would be due to her age and maybe not having a lot of experience. So I think that was a good roster move. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, nothing else to say. Happy with that, which brings us to all the other roster moves that happened in the subsequent days since the Loetta and Robinson deals. The Kansas City Current 
We don't get to play fantasy sporting director anymore because they made all their moves. The first thing they did was they picked up option for Claire Lavoger, the French midfielder slash forward. She's signed now through next season. They have offered a new contract to Izzy Rodriguez. What's interesting is they described Izzy as being out of contract in the press release. But I went back because I was like, God, I swear she had a 2024 option. I went back and she did have a 2024 option, according to their press release, when they signed her to a contract. So I don't know what that's about. If that's, hey, let's sign Izzy to a long-term deal. Like We didn't want to just pick her up for one year. We want to keep her around for years to come. But they're negotiating with her right now. I'm kind of secretly hoping that this is some like expansion draft voodoo where they're like, well, she's not really signed, so we don't have to protect her. But you can't pick her up because she's not a free agent either, which I'd be down with. If you want to play games with the rules to protect more players, sign me up because I freaking hate the expansion draft. And we'll talk about that in a second. Any thoughts on those before I tell you the other move, Sheena? Head shake, always great for a podcast. Uh, so <laughs> uh, Chardonnay Curran, Jenna Weinbrenner, Ryland Childers, and Croy Soto, they were all released. Uh, most of them either didn't have a contract for next season or uh, Weinbrenner had an option. And I believe Curran, actually Curran was signed for next year. Uh, Chardonnay said that she had requested to be released. So that could be true. I believe she's in a relationship with Alex Loretta, so it's possible that they are going to both end up in Bay FC. I'm not sure what that's about, but I kind of always felt like Curran was going to be gone after this year. And now with Loretta gone, it was inevitable that they'd both be gone together if it went win and if it did happen. So not sure if there's anything to that. Just reading into my social media stocking, which is awkward, but it's a thing that happened. Sheena's just laughing at me. Okay. And then the last thing is we have a few players out of contract. Sam Mewis, who sadly has never played for the Kansas City Current. She is out of contract, uh, as is Desiree Scott, who did not play at all this year because of injury. Mallory Weber, who played like a few minutes and then re-injured herself. And then players that played a lot more, Addison Merrick and Cassie Miller. They're both restricted free agents, those last two. So what that means is if another team tries to sign them, then the current have the ability to match those contracts and bring them on board and keep them. So they didn't say that they had made offers to those players. But again, this could just be expansion draft voodoo, trying to hide players so that you don't have to protect them because you don't get any sort of automatic protections for new signings or anything like that. They all have to be protected. Sheena, thoughts on the offseason roster moves? We're at 20 players right now with 26 total needed before, well, a max of 26 can be signed before the next season starts. I feel like so far, none of the people that you just went through, the four, I think it was yesterday that they said goodbye to like Chardonnay Curran and all them um, really surprised me. I, I like Desiree Scott but, and Sam Mewis, but I feel like because they were out all season, I don't know why you would re-sign them. I, I don't know. None of these are really shocking so far. Yeah, I agree. Loetta is the only shocking move that's yeah. right there, but everything else I kind of got. I thought maybe, you know, Ryland Childers, she was like a late draft pick. She went to KU. Maybe they try to bring her back, and maybe they still will. Maybe they just don't want to mess with the whole protection thing, and if they don't have her on the the roster officially, they don't have to do that. But then again, she was near the bottom of the roster. She barely played, and this is a, still a really deep team, so they didn't get rid of really any stars outside of Loetta. So... We'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out. As far as Sam Mewis goes, she may never play again. She's had a pretty serious surgery. She missed like 
what multiple seasons now. Uh, her sister plays for Gotham at Christy Mewis, and one of her best friends, Luke Williams, plays for Gotham. So I could see if she does recover and come back, her ending up on Gotham. But it doesn't surprise me that she is gone. She hasn't hasn't been living in Kansas City, hasn't been rehabbing here, has been taking care of that elsewhere. I think she's from the Boston area, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I'm with you. No, nothing really surprising there. Uh, I, I like Cassie Miller as a backup goalkeeper, so I was kind of hoping they would keep her around, but I guess we'll see. Maybe they believe in Jordan Silkowitz, who's their, their third string keeper, to step up and take over as the backup. Uh, so the team has four draft picks coming up in the 2024 college draft, so if they you know make all four of those selections and sign those players, then that would bring them up to 24 of 26 players right there without having signed a single free agent. Uh, of course, not accounting for whoever else we're going to lose in this dang expansion draft. Should we talk about the expansion draft? Sure, let's do it. All right. So Sheen and I are going to play fantasy sporting director in terms of uh, we're getting together. You can be Cammy. I'll be Vladko. Uh, I gave you Cammy since apparently you're a bad communicator, according to the rumors mm-hmm. I'm starting here on this podcast. Ouch. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, uh, so here's here's the rules of the expansion draft. Teams can only protect nine players freaking in WSL. Are you kidding me? Nine players on their roster plus any U18 players. So new signing Alex Pfeiffer, who's a 15-year-old, about to turn 16 next week. Happy birthday, Alex. Uh, those players would be automatically protected. So essentially, we'll get 10. After a player is selected in the draft, you can protect a 10th player, or in this case, an 11th, since we have Pfeiffer already. Teams can lose no more than two players, but the rules read like Utah could select two from the KC current, which is kind of crazy. So you make this trade with Bay FC so they don't take a player from you, but then Utah could just pay two and you could end up losing three overall anyways, which I hate. So stupid. Anyways, uh, you have to protect players that have a no trade clause. That said, we have no information as to who has a no trade clause. So we have no idea who has to be protected, which could tweak this a little bit. Before I go through and I give the list of players that I want to protect, I want to I want to make a plea to Kansas City, to Cami, to Vladko, or I guess to myself, because I'm playing Vladko and you're playing Cami. So we need to make a trade, Cami. We need to get we need to get Utah on the phone, talk to head coach Amy Rodriguez, former player for both Flatco and the KC Current, and we need to swing a deal to get protection and not have to go through this expansion draft. Then you can know who you're going to lose. Maybe you give up one or more of those draft picks because you got a pretty deep team. But there's just so many good players that I don't want to see this team lose and not have control over losing. Maybe we offer them Mimi Larson plus a draft pick. Mimi didn't really work out well this year. Of the 20 players still on the roster, she's about the only one that I'd be okay with losing. So if you give her away and a pick, maybe a little of that allocation money you got from Alex, and just skip the draft, get to sit the night out and we can not see uh, the Casey current get destroyed. What do you think, Sheena? What do you think of my plan before I make a list? That's funny because that is the same person I was going to say. Ah, I was also, I know, but I was looking at the players and I was like, I feel like the times Mimi Larson did come in, uh, I was underwhelmed by her. I'd rather have continued to see Michelle Cooper on the field. So I could do without her. No offense to her. 
I agree. And I, I remember when Larson was signed, she wasn't even starting for her team in Sweden. I was like, if you can't start for a team in Sweden, can you start for an NWSL team? I think NWSL is one of the better. I mean, it might be the best women's league in the world. It might not have the best teams overall because there's some super teams in Europe. You got your Barcelonas and Chelsea's and whatnot. But it's one of the best teams in the leagues in the world with you know some of the best players in the world. And it didn't make sense to me at the time. So let's let's deal Larson. But say Utah won't take our deal they won't take any deal and we we we're forced to go into draft night knowing we could lose up to two players so we got to put out our list of nine because we got to let them know in advance who's protected who's the first person you're protecting sheena slash cammy well i feel like it would be dabinia yeah that's the first person i listed as well i I feel like she's a superstar can't let dabinia walk got to put protection on dabinia my next choice and i feel like you're going to agree with me here is Michelle Cooper. You traded away yeah. Lynn Williams to get her. She has potential to be a star. You cannot lose Michelle Cooper. I would agree with that just for the reasons you said. Like we gave up Lynn Williams and then she had a fantastic year. She's been on the women's and national team. So I mean we have a lot of a lot riding on Michelle Cooper, so we can't lose her already in her second season on the team. Agreed. Pick another player. Who do we want to protect? Well, I feel like I'm going to go a little bit uh, looking at the list. We have a lot of defenders, so I feel like we could lose a defender. I'd be okay giving up a defender. Now, which defender? I don't know. I think Gabby Robinson is protected, right? Or no? Not by default. You'd have to choose to protect her. Do you want to protect Gabby? Yeah, that's fine. Let's protect Gabby. She had a good year. Okay. <laughs> so you you obviously are not looking at my list, but I also have Gabby on my list. I'm so not. I do think we should protect her. She's a young player. She's very physical, good in the air. She came a long way in terms of that soccer intelligence out on the field versus you got some unknowns in some of these other defender positions. So I listed Gabby. I also listed another center back, Elizabeth Ball, because when Elizabeth Ball was gone, this team was not good. And when she came back, they were significantly better. Now, I think this could be an argument that maybe maybe you don't protect Elizabeth Ball. She's a little bit older. You also have Stina Balasager, who you just signed from Denmark. You have Lauren, who you just signed. She's really young from Brazil. All center backs. And you, you really probably need two starting quality center backs, maybe a third. And I think we have four, potentially. So you can risk losing some of them. But I protected Ball and Robinson and left the other two unprotected since they're more of unknowns. Maybe the other teams won't know them or won't want to burn an international roster spot on them. What do you think about that logic? Yeah, I think that makes sense. All right. So do you want to list another player? Yeah, I'm going to keep Lola Bonta. I also put Low on my list. I thought this might be a controversial pick. So I picked um, Low because... She did miss a little bit of time this year, but she's actually historically been healthy quite a bit. She's a hard worker. She puts in long shifts. And even though she's a, a little bit older, she's much healthier on the grand scheme of things than Morgan Gautreau and Vanessa Bernardo were, who are both players I left off my protection list because I said, hey, they've got some injury history. Maybe Utah will be afraid to pick them, even though they're probably good veteran leaders. So it's a risk. That makes sense. All right. My next player that I protected was A.D. French, because with Miller not re-signed, and we don't know if there's some sort of shenanigans happening in the background where she's going to be re-signed, or as soon as French gets drafted, they go and re-sign Miller. You never know. But I picked French because if you don't, if you lose French and you lose Cassie Miller, 
then all you have is unproven Jordan Silkowitz, who is off in Australia right now, getting some minutes, some valuable minutes, but she hasn't played in the NWSL at all. She's a rookie this season, second round pick. So I protected French. I would hate to lose Silkowitz, frankly, but I just don't have room to protect her too and kind of hope that she's hidden back there and nobody knows that she might be pretty darn good. I think if this was the beginning of the season, AD French for me was a not great. I mean, her and Cassie Miller were fighting a lot for the starting position. But yeah, if Cassie Miller isn't being protected, and we don't know what her future with the team is, then yeah, I I definitely think we should at least keep Edie French for at least another year and see how she plays and then go from there next season. And to clarify, so we cannot protect like Miller, for example, because she's a restricted free agent. So I'm hoping if they plan to re-sign her, they're just waiting to do it until after the draft so they don't have to use an ex- protection spot on her. And it would be a good fallback if you decide, you know what, French is older. I don't know how many years she's got left and we're going to leave her unprotected and take a risk. If you know that Miller's willing to come back and re-sign with the team and be the the starter. I'd be I'd be kind of okay with that, but I, I went ahead and put French because I didn't know what was going on with Cassie Miller, if she has plans to to head out of town or not. Yeah, I guess we'll see. All right. Do you want to pick another one? Yeah, I'll go with uh Izzy Rodriguez. Okay. Yeah, I got Izzy listed too. Now I'm secretly hoping, like I said earlier, that she's doing some sort of shenanigans where they're renegotiating, but she's going to wait to sign that renegotiated contract because it makes zero sense to sign any free agents or restricted free agents right now because then you have to protect them versus if they're not signed, then they don't count and you just could have like a secret handshake deal with them to sign them afterwards. So if I'm forced to protect Izzy, she's on my list because she's a starter. She looks like a potential star and I, I really like her at left back. No offense to Haley Mace. I don't think Haley Mace is really a left back. Uh, but if I can't protect Izzy, I'd probably slide Mace into that. That She was my ninth pick there as my backup if I if I don't have to protect Izzy. Okay. Right, the next one I have on my list, Sheena, and we'll see if we continue to agree. Cece Kaiser. Gotta protect Cece. Ooh, yeah, your facial fun. expression says, no, you don't I... want to protect Cece Kaiser. Do we finally disagree like seven no. picks into this list? <laughs> no, I don't know. That That's totally fine. I feel like I don't know enough about CZ Kaiser. I mean, I know her name, but I don't know enough Do you, about It sounded like you called her CZ just now. CC, CC. Yeah, like CC's pizza. Uh, yes, yes, I guess that would be one way to say it. Spelled a little different, but yeah, the, the same the same yeah. idea. Cecilia, if that will help you. Her actual name is Cecilia Kaiser. That's that fine. Be better for yeah. you. <laughs> uh, she had six goals in league play this year. She scored in the, the Challenge Cup as well. I really like Cece. She's been a really good player. She's dynamic. She can play forward. She can play kind of that attacking midfielder spot. I don't want to risk losing her, but heck, I don't want to risk losing a bunch of people that I'm about to leave unprotected either. I can't, I freaking hate this thing. It's terrible. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, I'll go with my next one, which is Kate Delfava. Oh, interesting. I left Kate off my protected list. Not that I don't love you, Kate. I'm rooting for you, Kate. But my logic here was I left both Kate Delfava and Hannah Glass, who both play right back, off the list, knowing that I'd be kind of happy keeping either one. Delfava's been a pretty good player in her time. I think she's gotten a lot better. Glass, I historically, she's one of the better right backs in the world, but she didn't play a single minute this year. So I don't, is she ever going to be healthy again after her injury? You know, sometimes these injuries just do you in, you're never the same. So I left them both off saying I would just take whichever one 
Utah didn't steal from us if that's the direction they decided to go. I, in my mind, Utah's taking everybody that I'm leaving unprotected, even though I know that's not how this works. They can only take up to two, but I'm, I'm bitter about it. Oh, okay. That's so fair. Kate. So we're down to our last pick here then. Okay. Uh, my last pick, and this is, I think, a little bit controversial, was Alexa Spanstra. I think that Alexa has been really good and in limited minutes. She hasn't played a lot, but she showed a lot of promise at the end of the year. She scored some banger of goals. She was like a 10th overall pick. She she has quality written all over her, and I think the better she gets, she's going to be a great asset. If this team is the team that we have and we lose some of these other players, I think that we, we'd have one of the youngest forward lines in the league between Izzy Rodriguez and Spanstra and the incredibly young 15-year-old Alex Piper, which is a bunch of Alexes and Alexises on this team. I don't know what that's about. But I think I'd be more okay with that. I'm still going to be heartbroken if and when we lose another player, but Unless it's Mimi Larson. Sorry, Mimi. I just think that, that that would make some sense. Sorry, I feel bad, but it's true. She didn't. She did not execute this year. I wouldn't be sad by Hannah Glass since I never saw her play. I have no connection to her. Yeah, I'm not attached. I'm going to say for my last one, I think you already said this person, but just because we named our dog after her, Haley Mace. That would be your tenth one then, because we've we've already done nine each oh. before that. Assuming we were agreeing on everybody, but you picked uh, Kate and I picked Alexa. So oh. I never uh, picked you Haley. Could pick, yeah, you could pick Haley. I didn't pick Haley either. I said she's my backup oh. if I can't pick Izzy. Because oh. for me, Haley Mace is a player without a position. We yeah. tried to play her at left back. She's not really a left back though. When we played a back four, it didn't work very well. She kind of got beat a lot. She's really a wing back. I don't know what system Vladko is planning to play, but he played the four three three with the women's national team, and that's what the current played a lot last year. I could see them being in a four three three with the talent they have. And then you have Haley Mace, who's kind of a she's a Swiss Army knife. She can go to lots of different positions, but I think she can play on the wing. She played a little center forward, which is weird for me. She can play as a 10, like that attacking midfielder, but I don't think she's a defender. And if you're protecting, if, you, if you're forced to protect Izzy, if she ends up being under contract by the time this draft happens, then I think I got to leave Haley out there, which sucks. She's like 26. She's still incredibly talented. Okay. Listen to this list of players that are unprotected on my list with Sheena only having one slight change. Uh, Morgan Gattro, who I would list as my 10th player because she we need a defensive midfielder with uh, with Alexa Loeda being gone. I'm Alex Alex Loeda. Too many Alexes and Alexas. I'm getting them all mixed up. <laughs> so I put Gatro as my 10th. So if we lose a player, then I protect Gatro. But then unprotected on my list, Vanessa DiBernardo, Kristen Hamilton, Stina Balasager, Lauren, Kate Delfava, Hannah Glass, Claire Lavoger, Jordan Silkowitz, and Mimi Larson. That's brutal. That's like a decent starting lineup worth of players almost. I mean, that's not quite all the players, but you get the idea. That This team is so good. It's incredible with the level of talent that they had that they were the next to last team in the league. It just shows how unhealthy they were and how beat up they were and maybe how their system just wasn't set up very good this last year. I feel like we were saying all season how injured and beat up they were, so it's not surprising, I guess. Yeah. All right. I think we've done it. We've uh, we've broken everybody's hearts. There's lots of good players that are unprotected. They have to swing a trade. They have to give Utah something to get them not to draft two of their players. It's worth it to give away a player, some allocation money, draft pick, whatever combination you got to do to not give away people that are in your plans to be starters. Otherwise, you're probably going to lose a starter. Yeah. I'm. Which starter out of your pick 
you're a nine that you picked, if you had to give up one of them, which one would you pick to give to Utah if you had to? Oh, that's what I'm saying. Well, if I, if these are the only ones I get to protect, I would protect those players. But as far as players I want to lose, I already mentioned Larson. I'd be okay with that. I really don't want to lose anybody else. Uh, there could be something like going back to Del Fava, who you protected. She played for the Utah Royals before, so it's possible that they'd come back and try to get a player from that time. Most of the players from that team are gone. We got a basically Elizabeth Ball, Kate Del Fava. That might be it, honestly. There's been a lot of roster. Oh, Lola Bonta. Uh, so there's been a lot of uh, roster turnover and whatnot between there. Those are the ones that jump out at me as uh, players that they may want to try to get. I don't really want to lose any of those, but if I had to give up one, I guess I'd give up Kate because you got Hannah Glass waiting and she's put, you know, one of the better right backs in the world when she came to the team. She just hasn't gotten to show it in Kansas City yet because of the injuries. I have one last question for you. If there was a scenario, I don't know that this would happen, but if they took Lola Bonta and the Utah team did, does Roger Espinoza retire from Sporting Kansas City? and move to Utah and play for Real Salt Lake. Ooh, ooh, it was like a knife in the heart. I don't I think he would play for. I don't think he would play for Salt Lake. I don't see Roger doing that. But I could see if Lowe gets traded that he says, "Hey, we're gonna go, and I'm gonna follow my wife." Like he's playing for the league minimum in MLS. Why would he want to stick around and not see his wife all the time? Their old life. Roger was here, and she was in Utah, and they would only see each other on certain weekends, and they would try to go to each other's games occasionally. But you know, you're both having heavily overlapping schedules. So maybe in the back of my mind a little bit, I protected Lowe to protect Roger. That said, Roger could retire anyways. Uh, although he did tell me that he does not want to retire and he wants to play until he's 45. If you missed that episode, uh, he said it's just up to the uh, Sporting KC keeping him. And I would hope that they would. If he wants to play for the league minimum, the, what he's bringing as a locker room glue guy is worth more than you know a lot of players on the roster. So uh, yeah, that would be that would be heartbreaking. They're Kansas City soccer couple. We can't be losing them. I agree. I don't want to lose either of them. All right. I love the way they both play too, even if oh. Roger is not quite himself. What's up? Sorry, I have breaking news from four hours ago. Our buddy we mentioned earlier on the podcast, Ben Sweat, he will not be returning to the revolution. That's so. a perfect transition. It's time to go digital crawling, <laughs> y'all. So that's our first item in the crawl. Ben Sweat apparently out in New England. Um, I don't wish anybody bad bad things but you know i'm not heartbroken about old ben sweat okay no let <laughs> let's talk about these other things so sheena i'm gonna go fast because we're already super long i have a super long digital crawl you just jump okay. in here if you want to talk about anything we've got a lot of international soccer that was played in the last week it has been an international break so that makes sense the united states beat trinidad and tobago to advance to play in the copa america they made it very interesting they won three nothing at home and it was a very sketchy three nothing because they were up a man for i don't even know since like the 37th minute something like that they didn't score their first goal until the 82nd minute then they scored two more afterwards so they had three nothing win Thank goodness, because they needed them. They went to Trinidad and Tobago. They were up one nothing. Things were looking great. 
And then Serginho Dest lost his damn mind and got two yellow cards for dissent in about 30 seconds. And he got a red card and he got sent off. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago ended up winning that game two to one. They came back and scored twice, but they would have win- needed to win five to one to overcome the goal differential. I'm sorry, not goal differential, the away goal advantage. So the United States will play in Copa America next year. That's awesome. That's going to be against teams like Argentina, Brazil. They announced a couple host cities, Atlanta and Miami are going to get some of those games and fingers crossed hopefully we'll find out that kansas city is going to get some copa america games as well i think that would be amazing and it'd be great prep for the world cup can you handle this do you have the infrastructure they haven't done the upgrades at arrowhead yet so that might hold them back a bit i thought they announced some games already yeah atlanta and miami i just said that oh oh you were saying kansas city sorry i yeah we don't have kansas city games yet yeah it's like you aren't paying attention while you're recording a podcast with me sorry (laughs) sheena marie all right then let's talk other usa soccer the usa u17s they've been playing in the world cup they actually played a game this morning that i haven't watched yet so i won't spoil that for you if you also haven't watched it it was in the wee hours of the morning but they've been doing okay they won 3-1 over the korea republic they won 2-1 over Burkina Faso, but then things went really bad against France. They'd already advanced. They didn't need to do anything against France. If they won, it would mean they would play Senegal. If they lost, which they did, 3 to nothing, it meant they had to play Germany. But the game went about as bad as it could have gone. They ended up getting three players suspended, two from yellow card accumulation, and one from a stupid red card in like the dying minutes of stoppage time. Both of their starting center backs are out. I'm going to assume they blew it against Germany and they've been eliminated. But I haven't watched the game yet and I've avoided spoilers. I have no clue. I'm going to go back and watch it when I'm done editing this podcast. Uh, Speaking of USA Soccer, one more set of games. John Poolskamp and Jean-Luc Abuzio got called up to the USA U23s. Poolskamp got the start against Iraq, and they had a 1-1 draw. In much better soccer news, Phoenix Rising, four former Phoenix Rising ticket holders here, season ticket holders, I should say. Uh, They won the USL Championship last weekend in penalty kicks over the Charleston Battery. It was a 1-1 tie. They won 3-2 in PKs. It was a bananas game. She didn't watch a second of it because she was having girls night. She had a few ladies over, and I don't know what they were doing upstairs, but I was yelling in the basement of the TV. Uh, (laughs) Phoenix scored in stoppage time to tie it, to send it to extra time. Then it stayed tied all the way through extra time. And then in penalty shootout, they were down 2-0. They were down 2-0. They missed their first two PKs, or they've been saved. And then they go on to win 3-2. Incredibly dramatic. The first title for Phoenix. I was incredibly excited for them. I was excited, too, because I had so much fun going to their games in the seasons that we lived there. So it was nice to see that they won the championship. Um, And Chad. Cena. (laughs) I lost my train of thought, so never mind. I had something to say about Phoenix Rising, but... Well, you just interrupt randomly at the wrong spot if you think of it. (laughs) uh, Speaking of the USL, they signed a new contract with CBS and Paramount Plus and the CBS Sports Network. They're going to have their final, this game that they they just played, on CBS through 2027. So that's a big deal. That'll be on national television, like broadcast TV. So you can just pick it up. You don't even have to pay for, quote, cable or satellite or whatever, YouTube TV. Uh, Select games will also be featured on CBS. There'll be 20 more games on the cbs sport network and then 75 on the galazzo network and the rest on paramount plus so you'll have to have paramount plus to watch the usl 
Are they going to make the games more exciting to watch on TV, like better camera angles, more crowd noise? Because that's the problem I have with USL. Yeah, it didn't say, uh, but hopefully production will be better because the sound quality is not good. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not, though, because this is kind of a similar deal to what they had with ESPN and ESPN Plus. And with that, I believe the USL handled their own production, which mm -hmm. is why it's not as good. Kind of like the NWSL was kind of bad for these last few years production wise because they weren't making any money. So you, every dollar you spend on production is money you're throwing into the toilet, right? Well, so you're building your brand. So there's something to be said for spending on it, but you don't want to give away all your money. That's true. All right. A story we talked about a few weeks ago, Emma Hayes has now officially been announced as the U.S. Women's National Team coach. Really exciting. She's making either, they haven't, I haven't seen them confirm it, but about $2 million a year, which is in the neighborhood of what Greg Berhalter is going to be making. So the women and the men coaches being paid pretty similar, if not identical salaries, pretty awesome. The weird thing about this, and everybody is universally praising this signing because it sounds like she's a heck of a coach and you can already see it in the first roster that was called up. They, they sent a lot of the old players home. They didn't call them up for this for this recent camp. But like Alex Morgan wasn't on there, a few players like that. But she's not going to join until after Chelsea finished their Women's Super League season. So that doesn't happen until May-ish, depending on how the season goes and how far they advance and if they play in Champions League and, you know, whatever all that is. But she will only have like two quick camps before the Olympics to get the team ready to go to try to win a gold at the Olympics. And then final story, a return of Sheena's favorite part of the digital crawl, a messy update. Uh, Miami have announced that they are playing Cristiano Ronaldo and Al Nasser from Saudi Arabia in a friendly in February. Uh, I am both intrigued by this because it's two of the better players in the world playing but a meaningless game during preseason. But I'm also, I hate it because it's sports washing and it's Saudi Arabia using all their money to cover up all the terrible things and misdeeds that they've done in the world. Uh, but that's where I got from the press release that Miami's preseason starts January 10th. So that's where I got that information. Who knows where these other teams are going to start. Have they announced any other preseason stuff? I guess because I don't live in Arizona anymore. I don't pay attention. I haven't seen anything yet, but if you think about it, it kind of makes sense, right? The season is still going on. So Miami mm -hmm. is just capitalizing on it messy. I don't think anybody else has done anything. Mm -hmm. Okay. If they have, I haven't seen it. Y'all let me know. All right. So I don't have a big schedule of games coming up for you. There are other matches happening, but the one we're focused on, Sporting Kansas City at the Houston Dynamo, Sunday, November 25th. 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's November 26th. I said that wrong. Sunday the 26th. I made a typo, y'all, in my rundown here. So be sure to watch that. We'll be back to record a podcast. I don't know, maybe in the middle of that night. Maybe on Monday, she knows scowled at me at the idea of doing it in the middle of the night. <laughs> so we'll see what happens, but we'll be back. Subscribe to the podcast. Search for The Glory KC wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends to listen. Come engage with us on social media. Write a review if you like it. If you don't like it, just at me on Twitter at Play for 90 If you'd like to interact with Sheena on Twitter, and my gosh, she's been sending some weird tweets lately. At for the Glory KC. About what? Um, oh, just like randomly talking to people about their uh, benefits of you know, their short <laughs> Term disability. Oh, I don't the know. one person. Uh, <laughs> yeah, also, yeah, we didn't cover in the digital crawl that the Casey Curran keep announcing the stadium at the food or the food the that's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's getting late. <laughs> 
the food it's that's going to be. It's not that okay. late. <laughs> well, I have had a long day, I guess. But Casey Curran keeps announcing uh, food vendors that are coming to the stadium. And I want to eat all the food. And I don't even know that I'm going to be able to get tickets to see the current because they're probably sold out or they're going to be stupid expensive. And I just want to go and eat all the food and spend all my money on the food. Like, I don't know. I'm saving money all around, you know, being able to get tickets. (laughs) I'm Um, sad. No, as a, as the host of a podcast, you're a media (laughs) member. You could probably get a seat in the press Uh, box. I'm good. I'm not the media. I'm just a good wife who does this to support her husband's addiction (laughs) to soccer. (laughs) Don't act I don't like you g- don't obsess over soccer. You you send me, you'll run into my office in the middle of the day and be like, did you see this thing? And I'm like, no, I'm working. I didn't see it. I'm so. working too. Stop saying this. You make it sound like I don't work. No, you're working. I'm just saying that you you will run in and like, you know, you have breaks at different times and I have breaks in your day. Uh, jobs are weird now, right? We just got to get our work done. It's not like you have to work a certain amount of consecutive hours. So you work weird hours to take your kid to school and stuff. So our kid to school. All right. Follow us on social media because who doesn't want more of this banter at For the Glory KC on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Threads. Sometimes we banter with each other on Twitter. Like I tweet from mine at her account and back and forth. It's a, it's a good time. Uh, you can email us at ForTheGloryKC at gmail.com. And here is Splitter Conspiracy and the KC Cauldron to play us out for the longest podcast we've ever had. Take care, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.